0: Welcome to the podcast, and we have a very angst-filled podcast. No, it's not. I'm filled with angst. I mean, you have the big game coming up on Sunday. Pretty much 52 weeks a year, I'm filled with angst because it's the National Football League, and every week is brutal. Even in the offseason, man, so much pressure to get it right. Okay, so the Patriots are coming into town, and we all know the history here. It's been 10 years since the Texans beat them. That's the only time they've done it, so I don't have to beat that up. We're going to talk about that with Bob Sosi, the voice of the New England Patriots, and also Andre Ware, who's the color commentator for your Houston Texans. So huge game, and I love visiting with Bob, one of the really good guys doing play-by-play in the National Football League. And we are presented by Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers, 18 Houston area locations. The food truck can bring the great food, steak burgers, the custard right to your location wherever you are. Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers. Okay, Bob Sosia, first voice of the Patriots, and I started off by asking him about telling me the truth and how much stress he had related to the last outcome and during the game against the Dallas Cowboys, the Patriots won it by four.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mark, I think we've had a lot of nervous moments the last couple of weeks, frankly, between the Patriots' game against the Eagles, won by a touchdown, and a game in which Philadelphia had an opportunity to tie in the final minute. In fact, twice they had a fourth down attempt that Nelson Aguilar uh, dropped in the back of the end zone with a minute five to go in and then had a last second heave, knocked down at the five yard line. We learned late last year when the Patriots lost that game on the old hook and lateral to the Miami Dolphins never to take anything for granted. So I think uh, no, no matter the the, the margin, uh, generally, when games have been late for this team of late, uh, there have been anxious moments. But with the Cowboys game as well, uh, Dallas, a team very talented, as you know. Uh, Dak Prescott's having a terrific season. And there were a couple of plays late in that game. Cobb had a long catch and run for 50-plus yards. And you got a sense that as great as the Patriots are playing defensively and as well as they were playing on special teams, not being able to add on to that lead, like in the Philadelphia game, might put them in a position where, you know, they're defending a last-minute, last-second play. And as it turned out, that did not happen. They were able to uh, run out the clock, essentially. They gave the Cowboys a second left deep in their own head when Dallas got the ball back. But nonetheless, uh, you could breathe a little bit easier at that time.
0: Bob Soze, voice of the Patriots, joining us. Bob, a lot of people are saying, what's wrong with the Patriots on offense? Fifth in scoring, Bob. All right, so you tell me, what's different about the Patriots on offense? Define the Patriots 2019 offensively for us.
1: Yeah, Mark, and I think when you look at the scoring, you have to take into account defensive scores for this team. There have been four of them, plus scores either by the special teams or set up by the special teams. For example, in that game on Sunday against the Cowboys, it's a block punt that gives New England possession at the 12-yard line, and the Patriots have really struggled in the red zone. All season long, score on a twelve yard, at a 10-yard touchdown pass. Uh, their next scoring drive is set up by an interception by Stephon Gilmore at the Dallas 29, and they don't move the ball much thereafter. They've been hamstrung by a number of things. They haven't been able to run the ball nearly as well as they did late last year, which you might recall really was the impetus for them to reach the Super Bowl. They became a run-first team in the final weeks of the regular season and then really ran through Uh, the Chargers and Kansas City in the playoffs well this year they lost Rob Gronkowski to retirement Dwayne Allen left via free agency a good blocking tight end for them James Devlin a very good fullback and really I think uh, a fulcrum for that running attack last year so much of what they did on the ground revolved around Sonny Michelle running behind James Devlin Uh, he went down to injury They've had injuries at the wide receiver position or have lost some guys for various reasons. They signed Antonio Brown, and he was here for a week uh, before we ever got to really know him, which might not have been a bad thing, as it turns out. Uh, and, uh, you know, you look at uh, Philip Dorset. Coming off a head injury, Muhammad Sino, a player they acquired, has an ankle injury. So that was available against the Cowboys. And they've had to incorporate a couple of rookies, including a free agent, Jacoby Myers, and the aforementioned Nikhil Harry, who missed most of the season because of a preseason hamstring injury. And even Julian Edelman, as reliable as he is, he's been banged up of late. And then on the offensive line, Mark, the center, David Andrews, a very unheralded player in this offense. Uh, was felt by uh, 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 blood clots in, in his, that reached his lungs and uh, is unavailable for the season. And the hope is that he'll be back for next year. And he's an invaluable piece on that offensive line as the team captain, keeping everybody organized and together. And Isaiah Wynn, the first-round pick from the U.S. of Georgia the left tackle, has missed most of the season. They just got him back after he went on IR in the wake of Week 2. So they've had a lot of different pieces offensively, I think they've been searching constantly for chemistry. Brady's been under a lot of pressure. And they just have been out of sync in a lot of different ways. And I think it really starts with the inability to run the ball first as they did late last year uh, because they were able to offset in, in, in some part last year their inability to strike downfield. Well, thus far of late, this offense has been unable to hit on the chunk plays, but at the same time unable to sustain any consistent running game.
0: Bob Sosey, voice of the Patriots, joining us. And, Bob, you mentioned Brady. What kind of Tom Brady are we seeing? And does the, quote, lack of production, I see the yards per attempt down and things like that. But is that because of the other factors you just mentioned, injuries, inexperience at the pass-catching positions, or is it a combination of things?
1: I think it's a combination of things. Mark, I think, it's largely due to some of those things that I tried to lay out. Uh, he was Certainly inconsistent uh, with throws in particular in a couple of games, like, for example, the Eagle game might have missed some some reads, but you could see that I think that was a game in which he was affected right away by pressure. You know, with Brady, there's always that awareness. No one understands the opposition's strengths. And weaknesses and his own team's strengths and weaknesses better than Tom and you got a sense he was antsy from the start in that particular game against the Eagles and and so the offense was out of sorts and he was not happy whatsoever it became big news here for a week about uh, his reaction in the aftermath of that Eagles game despite the team winning over Philadelphia I think last week against the Cowboys it, he was very impressive that the numbers aren't going to show it in a very a windy uh, uh, rainy on a very windy rainy cold night Brady was able to cut through that uh, wind and, and rain with a number of throws that should have been caught I thought he threw the ball as well against the Cowboys as he has really in, in the last month or two and he ironically enough went down on the injury report uh, listed with an elbow injury on Friday of last week so you know, it's a case of the numbers not being Tom Brady-like. It's the case at times of Tom Brady not looking like his old self. But then as we saw on Sunday at age 42, he looked like Tom Brady at his young self, uh, throwing the ball extremely well, even if the numbers didn't reflect it.
0: Bob Soce, Voice of the Patriots, with us. So, Bob, other side of the football now. The defense, number one in scoring in the National Football League. And my buddy John Harris, who does sideline for us, and I know you know him, says that Jamie Collins appears to be the straw that stirs the drink on that side of the football. What do you think?
1: He's one of them, and Stephon Gilmore is another for sure. And, and, and you know, there are a number of other guys like Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy really come into his own on this team over the last couple of years. But I think Collins is really the first indication uh, this spring. Uh, he was the first indication this spring that this defense could truly be th- something special. We knew the way they finished last year and the job they did against the Rams in the Super Bowl. And with the experience coming back in 2019, that the Patriots would be stronger defensively than offensively, particularly without Gronk uh, in retirement. Then when we saw Jamie Collins' mark in the spring, he looked like a a different guy than when we last saw him just before being traded away from the Patriots in 2016. He looked like the player just out of Southern Miss drafted in the second round in 2013 as a freakish athlete Very active all over the place. And you could see it even going back to OTAs, knocking down passes, running all over the field. And there was the sense that what was deemed a weakness of the Patriots going into 2018, the linebacking core and the defense as a whole, was now not only a strength of this team, but could really be a dominating strength. And you had Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower, healthy as versatile pieces, but more than that, you had Jamie Collins, the guy with his speed and athleticism, making plays whether it's rushing the quarterback, uh, forcing fumbles, recovering fumbles, intercepting passes. He had a 60-plus interception return for a touchdown against the Dolphins in Week 2. And then you have the secondary that is covered extremely well. I mentioned Gilmore. He shut out Amari Cooper last week in that Cowboys game. The one catch Cooper had was nullified. Uh, by a penalty, he was over one, fish, I think over two, I uh, I'll beg your pardon, because uh, there was another play that was overruled as an incomplete pass. So he didn't have a catch in that game, Amari Cooper against Gilmore, who's been equally effective against any other receiver the Patriots have assigned him to this year. It's going to be a great matchup, of course, seeing the former South Carolina Gamecock go up against the Clemson Tiger, we presume this weekend mm-hmm. in Houston. Beyond that, though, I think that Jonathan Jones has really developed into a very good player for the Patriots, a versatile cornerback, and he's playing extremely well at a high level as a slot corner. Devin McCourty looks as good as he's ever looked. He's at five interceptions, albeit early in the season. But the way he's organized that defense, he's enabled them to to show a lot of looks pre-snap and then give you something completely different once the ball is snapped. You'll see a lot of... One down lineman, two down lineman sets, some zero coverages, some coverages where there are no deep safeties initially, and then you see the safeties drop back in coverage. They've done a great job of confusing young quarterbacks. It's going to be more difficult to do, obviously, against Deshaun Watson and the Texans, though.
0: Bob Sosey, voice of the New England Patriots, joining us on Texans Radio. All right, what are they saying about the Texans in New England? What do you think of the Texans heading into this one as you venture to NRG Stadium?
1: Well, Mark, you know sports talk radio in this marketplace. And there are narratives that people will cling to, uh, and uh, they will hold on to those forever. Uh, for example, with uh, Tom Brady and uh, Bill Belichick and, and uh, the situation that arose in 2017, there was reportedly friction by the end of that campaign. And anytime time there's a hiccup for this team along the, the way, even as the Patriots are 10-1, and 1, if Brady seems unhappy about the offense against Philadelphia, well, guess what they're talking about? Uh, before the Patriots play the Cowboys. They're still talking about what took place in 2017 or what might not have taken place in 2017. And so the the narrative here locally about the Texans, I think, is, is one that goes back even to Gary Kubiak's uh, coaching tenure, when the Texans really built themselves into a contending team in the AFC but could not get over the New England hump. So there's that wait and see. Uh, we'll see it we will believe it when we see it attitude on the part of, I think, the people in local sports talk circles and some of the columnists. For the people that follow the game closely, they know what Deshaun Watson and the Texans did. A couple of years ago, coming in here very early in the season, and how good the Texans played against the Patriots. But I think they also are aware that the Texans really posed uh, a test in the playoffs several years ago that uh, would have knocked off the Patriots. In fact, would have derailed them. Uh, I think had at Houston uh, had Deshaun Watson as opposed to Brock Osweiler. In that game, and I think there's a lot of respect here among the people that cover the team regularly on the beat for the Texans. know, the Will Fuller uh, addition in this game, being healthy after his performance on Sunday, is a big factor. I think the the ability of Duke Johnson to catch the ball out of the backfield, what Carlos Hyde has given the Texans, I, I think that it's it's a more complete offense. And this Patriots defense has shown some vulnerabilities against the run this year. And I think if the Texans are committed to it, it's going to be a very interesting game for, for New England. And they've always had problems in my tenure defending mobile quarterbacks. And in the case of Deshaun, you know better than I, far better, just what he can do, uh, keeping plays alive and, and allowing some of those receivers to get open. And it's going to be a hard cover to stay with Fuller and Hopkins you know, once he starts moving around back there. So I think there's a lot of respect. The offensive line, obviously, is a lot better with Tunsil. The defense just looks different to people. There's not the star power without Watt. In But I think, again, if you follow football closely, if you've watched the Patriots against the Texans, you know what Merciless and McKinney have done and the problems they've created against New England. So we're anticipating, I know in our broadcast booth, we're anticipating a great game on Sunday.
0: Well, we're anticipating not playing Josie here at the stadium, by the way, <laughs> just so you know that. I already talked to the people because, you know, sometimes they do play it, Bob, here as if uh, they have no idea what's going on in Foxborough. When I hear it, I'm thinking, no, 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 don't play that song. (laughs) Anyway, and especially Sunday night, Uh, Bob Stosey, voice of the Patriots with us. All right. You were talking about mobile quarterbacks. Well, speaking of Monday Night Football, Lamar Jackson goes nuts and he went nuts against the Texans, had success against the Patriots. So. What do you think of the Ravens as the Patriots still have the stiff arm on them in the overall AFC standings, but, of course, lost the game head-to-head? What do you think of Baltimore?
1: Yeah, I think Baltimore's terrific right now. Uh, the Patriots fell behind in that game 17 nothing, and it, it was a case where I think offense and defense alike were complicit. The Patriots' defense could not uh, in any way simulate the speed of Lamar Jackson and what we saw in that game in their preparation for it. And I think that the players were a, a bit overwhelmed to the outset. You know, talking to some of the Patriots before and after that game. You know, it's one thing to watch a guy like Lamar Jackson on film and then when you see him in person have to go against it. And there were times when it looked like the Patriots had Jackson and the Ravens dead to right, and yet Baltimore gets a key third down conversion here or a big play there. And I think the way they utilized the tight ends caused a lot of problems for the Patriots, along with a fullback Ricard. Uh, the defense for Baltimore, I thought, was somewhat suspect going in. The Patriots, once they got in a rhythm offensively, moved the ball extremely well. Uh, they really self destructed. They were driving for the lead in the third quarter. Julian Edelman fumbled on a, on a catch on an early down All well, the Patriots were in, in good position near midfield. I think it was a first down play. And Marlon Humphrey scooped it up and ran it back for a touchdown. And that was the backbreaker because the Patriots really didn't get the ball back much after that. The, Uh, the Ravens went on two really long drives, two uh, time-consuming scoring drives that put the game out of reach. And it reminded me, Mark, of all the years that I used to call Navy football, watching the triple option, the problems that it would present to teams at the start of games because they couldn't really simulate it in practice. And then once you got into the game, how you find yourself on the sideline as an offense just watching that clock tick away while the other team's offense is picking up a third and three, a third and four, and continuing to drive the ball downfield and need more time, limiting the possessions and, and basically leaving you with too little, too late with which to work. And, and I think the Patriots, again, in that game, they, they were they were dominated in that game. They got some help from the Ravens with some turnovers, including a muff kick by Cyrus Jones, but uh, the Ravens were dominant. And it's going to be, a, a I think, a very difficult challenge the way they're playing right now to beat them. But, you and i both know in this league it's hard to sustain that kind of success mm. and once you get to january uh, especially if the patriots can get them in foxborough or anybody else in foxborough i I feel like new england's chances as much as anybody's
0: bob one more quick one for you buffalo you played them once the patriots will take them on again they're sitting there at 8 and 3 heading into the weekend how good are the bills they're steamrolling their way toward a wild card it would appear what do you think of the bills
1: I think a lot of the Bills' defense, Mark, and I always have under Sean McDermott, I think they're very disciplined. Uh, The two safeties there, the the defensive line gets a lot of credit for good reason, but against the Patriots in particular, uh, Poyer and Hyde have played extremely well. And they've covered the Patriots very well and at times really frustrated Brady over the course of the last few years. It's been their offense that has been lacking and in the game against the Patriots early this year. Like late last season, Josh Allen was seemingly confused at times. He eventually got hurt in that game, running on a hit over the middle of the field by Jonathan Jones of the Patriots and Deron Harmon, but Allen did not play well. And I think, again, there's a case if the, if the Bills get better quarterback play, and seemingly they have gotten that over the course of the last few weeks, then I think that they stand a chance not only to make the playoffs, but uh, to advance at least around in the playoffs, given their defense and how they play. But I will say this: in, in the games against the Patriots, the, the Buffalo has had a tendency, even under McDermott, as, as more as the Bill, as, as much as the Bills have been improved in terms of their discipline and uh, their ability to get lined up correctly and not self-destruct under McDermott as opposed to Rex Ryan. They have still, and in the the case of this year's game, McDermott, I think himself, they have still made one or two critical mistakes, or maybe mentally they've psyched themselves out, and I thought the coach of the Bills did that a bit this year, Uh, and and, and have eventually uh, lost to the Patriots in, in, in close games or allowed close games to become lopsided games. But I have a lot of respect for the Bills. they got a tough schedule coming up. They're really going to be tested starting with a Thanksgiving game against Dallas, a team that I think is very talented, having just seen them.
0: Mm. Bob, thanks so much for the time, and we wish you a safe journey here to Houston. We're looking forward to it on Sunday night.
1: Me too, Mark. Have a great Thanksgiving.
0: There's Bob Sosi, voice of the New England Patriots. All right, now let's catch up with Andre Ware. And one of the things we talk about regarding New England is how much stability they've had. Most teams in the NFL, and I always go over this, players on the roster, the majority, and this is true with the Patriots too, the majority are from the last three or four drafts, but the Patriots probably have more players than any team from four years ago and earlier, 17 players who were drafted or acquired in 2016 or earlier. That's a lot in this league. And I asked Andre about it.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of remarkable that, um, you know, they, they hold on to the blue guys, which is, I think what you're making reference to the Edelman's and so on and so forth. So, it's it's a situation where with Tom he is the I mean the gorilla glue so to speak that holds everything on offense. Defensively they they seem to to uh, to move a lot of players around, but they figure out the the common denominators. They figure out to win. Figure out how to win football games. Being ten and one and or you know with ten wins going into this week, it's a, it's just been amazing how uh, how they've been able to do it with consistency year in and year out.
0: What are you seeing from Brady at this stage of his career? Here he is at 42 years old, and my big stat of the week is he's been in the league longer than the Houston Texans have been in the league.
2: Wow. Yeah, that is some stat. You know, he's taking care of himself, and and it's just about longevity. I I think he wants to play longer. Uh, I think he's only had really one significant injury, which is the knee injury a few years ago. Uh, but he bounced back from that, and it just continued to uh, to be Tom Brady. So it's it's amazing to see it—a uh, pocket passer, pure pocket passer—in this game, this day and age, and still playing at the level that he's that he's playing at. He's still tremendously accurate. I saw that in the ball game last week, and uh, still doing that at a, at a high level, which makes you think that he will be around
0: a couple more years. All right. So this defense is really good for New England. Uh, they say the locals in Foxborough say that the Patriots do have issues against quarterbacks who are mobile. Clearly, Lamar Jackson is one of those. And not that Deshaun Watson is Lamar Jackson in that style, but he has been able to have some success moving the football against New England. And now he's got Will Fuller against them. These two play against them for the first time. So what do you think of the way the Texans will try to attack the Patriots?
2: Yeah, I like uh, like the matchup this this time around more so than than ever because of, uh, of the element of Will Fuller and being able to soften coverage. Now, I think Stephon Gilmore's got a dilemma. Which one's he going to check and uh, and and face face for 60 minutes? Is it going to be DeAndre Hopkins? Is it going to be Will Fuller? You know, who knows? It's kind of pick your poison in a sense. So. Um, with that matchup, that's the one I think you kind of you kind of follow because whoever doesn't draw Stephon Gilmore could have the big game. But you're right; it, it's it's a situation where Deshaun will force the Patriots' defense to play eleven on eleven, and, and they got it handed to them the last time they faced that type of quarterback.
0: Well, plus the Texans have won four games in a row at home in prime time, and I gotta think for Watson. He likes to shine under those bright lights. He really enjoys playing in prime time, especially at NRG Stadium.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, it goes back to his uh, his success in the national championship game. When you can play on a stage like that, and it's built up, and you know, just shy of the Super Bowl, so to speak, in terms of the eyeballs and, and the magnitude of the game. Um, I don't know that you can get or simulate that. And, and he seems to thrive in it. The bigger the game, the more he he wants the the uh, the light on him. He wants the responsibility of leading his team, and he responds and plays well, generally in in those situations. So uh, this is another big one. I think that I think he recognizes it. I think the Texans recognize just how big the situation is this weekend with New England, and and I, I look forward I look for them to take care of business.
0: Okay, Dre, I know that you watched Monday Night Football and saw what Lamar Jackson and the Ravens did Mm. to the Rams, which I found really surprising, especially considering the Rams knew full well what they were getting into after watching what the Ravens did to the Patriots and the Texans. So what did you think of that performance? And if you were coordinating against the Ravens, how do you think you might go about trying to slow them down at the very least?
2: Well, you've got to have great front seven play. And by that you 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 can't twist and and run a lot of gains up front because he finds those creases uh, and you can't give up leverage to him I, I think I would just try to live with uh, keeping him in the pocket not allowing him to escape and and forcing him to beat me down the field I think that's the the only way is to make him drive uh, 75 yards or so kick it out of the back of the end zone make him go the distance because uh, if you if you tr- you come after him, as everybody seems to think of the the Rex Ryan's of the world, Wade Phillips tried it in that game, bringing, uh, playing him in Cover Zero. He can get the ball out on you, and and he's very accurate. More underrated in that that regard than than I think any other. And you know he's going to hurt you with it, with his legs at some point. You have to limit the big plays uh, in that regard, and then just just try to make him beat you down the field and play good run defense because i think with their offense that's where it all starts they've got a tremendous offensive line they've got three backs that can hurt you along with lamar so it's it's run first pass second but that's why i I think i would take the latter and try to force them to beat me throwing the football
0: it'll be really interesting to see what the 49ers do against them it's in baltimore this weekend we'll have a chance to watch a big chunk of that game before coming to the stadium on sunday
2: yeah, will, and that that's another good defense and another team, and I think Kyle doesn't get nearly the credit that he deserves in putting that that thing together. The organization is run tight. Everybody loves. It seems like both teams, both Baltimore and and the 49ers, uh, love playing for their head coaches. You could see it. The, kid, the 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 players are having fun and they're getting after it. It's it's just that's going to be a fun game to watch.
0: All right, Andre, now the Tennessee Titans will take on the Colts in Indy. You've got Ryan Tannehill going on the road, and you have the Colts trying to do business without Eric Ebron, and they really need this one. What do you think of that matchup? The Colts have tended to own the Titans, so to speak, but we'll see how that plays out. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I I thought early in the week that uh, Tennessee could go there and win. But with Jacoby Brissett another week removed from his you know knee injury and then you getting uh TY Hilton back he was another week removed from his hamstring injury that they will have enough firepower i think in the passing game to to uh to move the ball that way against the Texans i think they were they obviously had TY on a pitch count and we're not going to uh to overuse him for you know basically for the stretch run in the, re- the remainder of the season so i think they were both uh just kind of being conservative uh, in the manner in which they played the Texas. I don't think that's the case. They can't afford it to be the case, and Tennessee's hot. It's going to be a close, close football game, but I think Indianapolis at home kind of squeaks one out maybe by three points or so, but it'll be a close game.
0: All right, my friend. Now you have the Cougars and Navy coming up this weekend, so yeah. you don't have to go far, which is a nice thing. But not a nice thing for any team that has to prepare against Navy. So tell me about what it's like to have to get ready for that kind of offense when you're not used to seeing it a whole lot.
2: Yeah, you're getting ready for Navy like during your bye week and during the off season, where you're committing practices to facing the triple option, so that you can't because you, you can't get ready for them in a week. So you have to have something where you can draw from that this is what we were doing at this point in time or during our bye week and then you start to implement the entire game plan. But if you're just starting to get ready for Navy this week, you're in trouble. Uh, the best time to play them is in a bowl game when you've had a series of practices and then you go face them, or the beginning of the season when you've had an entire offseason to get ready for that game. <clears throat> they are a well-oiled machine. They bounced back from from last year of going 3-9, and nine and, uh, and and they've got things rolling 10-1 and one on the year. They've got a quarterback, Malcolm Perry, that is – is uh, he can he can flat out play and operate the triple option, uh, they, in a defense that's different under a new coordinator, and they move around. They cause some problems there because where they start and where they line up, they're not going to to be in the same spot once the ball is snapped. So it's it's a fun group to watch on both offense and defense. The Cougs and Marquez Stevenson is just tough to stop. He he is he is a a big play waiting to happen. He had a kick return for a touchdown last week along with a big uh, big catch as well. So it, it should be a great matchup. The one thing that works in the Cougs' favor is Navy has never come. Under Ken uh, Neomatololo, the head coach, they've never come to Houston and won a football game. So uh, hopefully that, uh, you know, being a Cougs fan, that, that remains true. But this is going to be a tall order for, uh, for the Cougs nonetheless because Navy's playing for – the western side of the conference to represent it in the championship game if memphis were to come up short to cincinnati on friday night
0: okay well good stuff my friend we'll watch that one and of course we look forward to seeing you on sunday night when the texans take on the patriots and happy thanksgiving to you and your beautiful family
2: you too my man
0: there's my friend andre Weir. all right that's going to do it for the podcast check out other texans podcasts right here where you got this one or wherever fine podcasts are available And don't forget, kickoff Sunday night, 720. Be in the seats early for the light show. Be ready. Be loud. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans.